0: So a reporter asked Steve Kerr from the 97-98 Bulls, someone asked him what's unique about this team and Steve was thinking and paused for a couple of seconds and then he smiled and proceeded to say we got Michael and then he just laughed. This just a candid Steve Kerr at its best, could not get any more real than that. the hop episode one this is your host speaking how are you guys doing i hope everyone's doing great i hope everyone is healthy and safe out there before we start if this is your first time listening to the podcast my name is reno moshafi and i am the host of hoops orchestra podcast aka the hop you guys can get in touch with me on instagram and twitter at hoops orchestra where you guys can get the latest updates about my take on all things basketball In this episode, I will be giving my opinions, reactions, and thoughts about episode 1 and 2 of the Last Dance docuseries. Without further ado, from episode 1, the main story point is Jerry Krause, the GM of the Bulls, he wants a rebuild. Jerry Ransdorf is the owner and he also said, other than Michael, the rest of the guys were probably at the end of their high productive years. I say, whoa, whoa, hold up. You know, Scottie Pippen played 50 games, averaging fourteen, five, and 6 in Houston Rockets the year after that in 1999. And then he proceeded to play full 82 games in Portland the year after that. And he went to the Western Conference Finals. Ron Harper was still a bull. He had some left in the tank. Steve Kerr went to Spurs and still provided solidly from the bench. He helped them win another championship there. Michael Jordan said it best. We are entitled to defend what we have until we lose it. And then he also said, if you want to look at this from a business thing, have a sense of respect for the people who have laid the groundwork so that you could be a profitable organization. I mean, that's just right on point. Couldn't have it said any better. That's how a dynasty is supposed to end. Either they end because they eventually lost or because of father time. But let it end that way. Let it end naturally. Not by a management decision to break up a team that just had a 2nd tree three-peat. You don't break up a dynasty like that. It's one of the greatest teams of all time. Jerry Krause did his job. He brought Phil Jackson. He brought Horace Grant. He pulled off a trade to get Scottie Pippen. And he brought solid players around MJ. But he just could not contain his ego. He wanted the spotlight. A reporter said he had this little man problem. He was always the underdog. He wanted people to give him credit. He could not stand people admiring Michael, Scotty, Dennis, and Phil. And he's just like on the sideline. And then he proceeded to say organization win titles not players now i completely disagree with that and this one i'm with michael michael said that organization built to put together players that fit with each other and then ultimately the players have to play the players gotta train the players gotta deal with the media scrutiny and everything ultimately the players are the most important thing. players win championships because they at the end of the day they have to perform phil jackson wanted to be fairly compensated i mean the dude won five championships prior to the 98. But again, Jerry Cross just could not contain his ego, his envy and his resentment toward Phil because Phil also got the attention, the spotlight from the public, the Zen Master thing like everything that jerry always wanted i feel like jerry cross wanted to use his power as the gm to make a statement to the players and the coaches that hey i have power you know i can make stuff happen to this organization well he can't move mj out of the team mj was untouchable but other than mj like no one's untouchable for him he's the gm so he got some power and the only one who can cancel his decision is Jerry Reinsdorf. So it's ultimately up to those two guys. There's this uh, Jerry Cross stepdaughter had a wedding that year. And then he invited everyone from the team and Tim Floyd, like the uh, soon to be new coach. But he did not invite Phil, the current head coach. Now, what's that? That's just resentment. That's just ego. I mean, come on. You're just simply trying to make a point you guys like this is your new head coach and if i'm a player of the team and i knew that jerry did not invite my coach and knowing how great my coach is and knowing how much the coach meant to this organization to the team to myself i would not have come to that wedding it's just it's insane just a sheer resentment from jerry Krause's part another one is The one where Jerry Cross said to Phil Jackson, I don't care if you win 82 games in a row, this will be your last year here. Whew, man, I just could not wrap my head around that one. Is that objective or subjective? Like, this is Phil Jackson we're talking about. his top three greatest coach of all time. Arguably the greatest coach of all time. And you had the audacity to say or even think like that. And then the fact that Phil said, fine, and then he just walked out of the room, just proves who's the adult and who's not i mean man i get nothing but respect for phil phil is a total opposite of jerry krause as far as i'm concerned it's it's crazy the the one is adult and one is like the little envy brother or some sort like i never knew this you know before watching this and i just rewatched it like last night to make this podcast and i just realized that you know mj won all these championships with all this Um, circus behind the organization it's crazy this is something else really in the 1982 NCAA championship um, when Michael Jordan took that game winning shot um, in 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 a team where you were a freshman having the main offensive threat in James Worthy and you still had the confidence and the mentality to take a clutch time shot like that um, but granted, Coach Dean Smith said in the huddle that if MJ had the shot, he should take it. He should take the shot. Um, he he really did give MJ the green light. But it just speaks to uh, Michael's mental toughness. People often overlook Michael's mental toughness because of his athletic ability, but he always had that clutch mentality of um, having no fear of taking the last shot, having no fear of. Um, failure what if he misses like he said it himself he always see the glass half full not half empty so it just speaks to how tough he is like mentally he he had that uh mamba mentality before mamba mentality was born he's like the godfather of mamba mentality but it makes sense you know he's like a very competitive person the the most competitive person you'll ever met so uh Yeah, it just speaks to his greatness and I love that one. Like he just switched it like no hesitation, just uh, pull up jumper, shot it, switched it and won the championship as a freshman, you know. And Worthy approved it, coach Dean Smith approved it and he won. The story is taking us back to the 1984 NBA draft. The Houston Rockets select Hakeem Olajuwon for the first pick and Portland select Sam Bowie. For the second pick and then the chicago bulls select mj now this is a very valuable lesson in my opinion for professional teams to draft the best players regardless what the position is just draft the best player first and then figure out later because even if you have mj and wrestler and they're in the same team same position in the long run like Portland would have achieved more. You can like work out a trade or just play Drexel in small forward or even if you need a center. MJ versus Sam Bowie. I mean, I don't even know who the guy is. This just it's crazy. I have no problem with the Rockets selecting Hakim because Hakim was something else as well. He proved himself by winning two championships for Houston. So it's all good for the first pick, but Portland could have got MJ. Like he's missing out on the goat. That's a very, very valuable lesson for teams that's going to draft a player. And now we go to Jordan's first year in the Chicago Bulls. Uh, <laughs> the traveling cocaine circus titled article, which made Michael laugh. I did not know about this before. Like, I did not know that the NBA and drugs and stuff like that were just so common back then like NBA now is properly designed to avoid stuff like that so everything is clean like within the league as far as I know so it's much better now but um, I applaud Jordan for just like um, not participating in that and just focusing on winning um he just like when he told the story about when he came into the hotel room where practically the whole team was in there and just like doing drugs with women and whatever and he just like no man i'm out like he's just trying to win like from the beginning and i applaud him for that now another interesting point like in that era if you are not seven feet tall you are not expected to be carrying a team to win some people even say it was impossible to do so it's a big man's game in that era Rothorn, the GM at that time, said in an interview after he drafted Jordan, said he wished that Jordan was 7 feet tall, but he was not. Now, that's interesting to me because in today's game, especially these last few years, teams are looking for a versatile wingman who can score and defend multiple positions like Kawhi or a KD, or a point guard or shooting guard who can shoot like Steph Curry. Teams now believe that players like Luka Doncic and Trey Young can lead, their franchise to win but that's not the case back then next one is um i love that michael's mentality of chasing the best player in your team so once he got in the chicago bulls from the get go you know the first practice he's trying to prove himself by letting his game speak for him Because like he said, he had no voice. He had no status in in the team. So he just make his mark just by playing well. His game speaks for him. And that's an excellent advice for young players. Let your game speaks for you. And then we started to see Michael's winning mentality on display. Just a sheer refusal to lose. His third game when they finally defeat Sidney, Moncrief and Milwaukee. Like Michael said, um, Bowles and the Bucks were like a nemesis. Now most people do not know who Sidney Moncrief is, I certainly did not because I just found out about him just like a few months ago. That dude was the league's best lockdown defender. And for him to compliment Michael and be aware of his greatness from his rookie year is meaningful. It's pretty awesome that it only took two weeks for the team to acknowledge that Michael was their best player, two weeks. This young, handsome rookie with all the swag and the charisma and his airness. Everyone was like, all right, just give it to the young kid. Let him lead us. He won't let us lose. And then we'll go with him. And wow, well, that's a good thing right there. Proceeding to the next one, Michael Jordan's airness begins. Holy cow, man. Just seeing the highlights. I've never seen another player that just have the ability to hang in the air like MJ. It's just utterly ridiculous. I've seen players like LeBron, Kobe, Wade, and so many other athletic players of our time, but my goodness, the way he moves, the the way he like exposed himself in the air first, and then he comes down and shift his body to right or left, and then the way he palms the ball and just expose and then bring it down and then bring it bring it up to uh, shoot a jump shot like one-handed up, uh, sort of like jump shot form layups. It's just something we've never seen before. This is his rookie year's highlights. I mean, the way he comes up and down, hang time. It's just all all basketball players dream about. And then there is this one highlight. So Michael was driving to the lane and then Larry Bird like comes up and tries to block. And Michael just like exposed the ball and palm the hand and then bring the ball down. And Larry was down, but Michael was still in the air. And then he proceeded to uh, shoot like a right-hander layup. And then it just and one, and he just like swished it like it's nothing (laughs) well granted Larry was not athletic player whatsoever but that one that one impressed me and another thing that I love to pay attention when seeing um, basketball highlights is seeing the opponent's bench so when you see Michael play and then he's like he changed the game right by playing above the air and then you can see just so many players were like uh surprised by just the crazy shots the circus shots he made turning his back uh to the rim and then just like threw the ball up without even looking at the rim and the opponent was just like <laughs> jumped out from their seat or just hugged their friends it's so funny <laughs> uh, that's what i love like just because it's your opponent just like um unconsciously they're acknowledging you as the opponent like you did something extraordinary something they've never seen before because in today's game like uh opponents like try to not react if you even do something crazy unless you really really do something crazy but uh most of the time they're trying to like set a straight face so like they're not impressed at all by what you did even though it's great but back then when NBA was like still in the 80s 90s and when someone like Dr. J or uh, Dominic Wilkins or like Michael do something athletic or just showing their ability to play above the air it just it just blows people's mind back then I think by the time I finish covering this 10-part docuseries I will run out of compliments to give Michael man his greatness is just out of this world so in 1984 when he came in like Chicago was a joke and he just came in single-handedly gave a new soul for Chicago's sport fans he gave thousands and thousands of people their reasons to come to the stadium and watch the Bulls play mostly watching him though um, poetry and motion is the right phrase to describe him as one of his fans said he had that charisma from the beginning he had the personality he also had that swag from the beginning but ultimately his game is what made him who he is everything comes down to his game so when the game is at stake or when something is in doubt or we needed this game to make the playoff or we needed this game to win the finals game six or whatever he always answered and he answered by playing the best game he could play most of the time he always delivers that's why in my opinion he's the goat okay now we are moving on to episode two um, we're going to begin with Scotty Pippen. Now, let me say this. I'm going to give Scotty Pippen the credit he deserves. I genuinely believe that this guy is very, 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 very underrated. I love players like Clay Thompson because he does his job. Um, he does it really well. He doesn't say much. He demands, he hustles, he surely can score. Not much of a, hey, look at me personality. You know, he does, does not have that ego. The kind of teammate that you definitely want. I think all thirty teams in the NBA would say yes to Clay Thompson. And now, Scotty was that type of player. Yes, sure, he spoke a lot more than Clay, and yes, Scotty could not score or shoot the basketball as well as Clay. But ultimately, both guys are excellent defenders who do their job with no noise, execute, and go home. Also. People have to talk about, oh, nobody wants to play with LeBron. Nobody wants to be his number two. Partly because if the team wins, then all the credit goes to LeBron. And if the team loses, the Robin of LeBron's Batman would get the blame. Now that's LeBron, the all-loving and kind, let's-be-friends type of player, let alone Michael freaking Jordan, man. Now for Scottie Pippen to stay with the Bulls and Jordan for all those years, are just an outstanding achievement by itself. It's not easy. It's not easy being Michael Jordan's Robin. Only Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson stayed on course with Jordan for all six championships. Not Dennis Rodman, not Tony Kukoc, John Paxson, not Ron Harper. Like being the second guy to MJ, the most competitive guy person, human that you could ever find. Phil Jackson said, maybe that year, the 97, 98, Scotty was the second best player in the league, not in the team, in the league. A wingman who can guard multiple positions, he can shoot threes, he can handle the ball and make plays. He's also very, very athletic. Now, but Scottie Pippen missing the start of the year due to injury recovery that he orchestrated on purpose. I'm with Phil Jackson on this one, and I disagree with Mike. MG said Scotty was selfish for that action. Technically, I agree. Scotty did put himself above the team with that action. But what I agree with Phil was Scotty needed to do that to prove a point to management. It's like, um, if you're going to give a player a break, that was Scotty Pippen's break. So Phil understood that uh, Scotty needed to do that for himself and his mental state at that point. Phil also knew that he had to prepare... The guys to find a way to win without scotty michael said scotty was selfish but mike you were paid handsomely and your boy pippen was the 122nd highest paid player the sixth highest paid player in the team yet everyone knew like scotty was the second best in the team and he's arguably second best player in the league but he was not paid handsomely it was complicated because scotty did agree to sign the contract but dang you know players nowadays are paid crazy money while a player like scotty pippen got underpaid like that meanwhile he was a uh, such a crucial part of winning that six championships he just absurd he was this 122nd highest player in the league this guy was um he was on the dream team and then he's fifth top 50 greatest players of all time it's just like what's wrong with a guy like that want to be paid right and the way you prove a point is different. Each person's personality is different. And MJ could have just like said it outright, but Scotty could not because maybe he did not have that voice like what MJ had. So he had to prove his point in another way, in his own way. Next thing that I want to point out is it's pretty fascinating knowing the origin of MJ's uh, competitiveness. Um, we saw how he got it from his uh, family, within the family, how he wanted to get his father's attention. So he competed like crazy with his brothers now if you can compete and excel versus someone you love i think when you compete with someone else you don't know it would not be much of a problem his father also said if you want to bring out the best in michael just tell him he can't do something or he can do he can do something as good as someone else michael always needed that edge that's why even when there is no edge there's no motivation to dominate he made up stuff you know, just just inside his mind just so he could get going and dominate people that's just how he created that edge within him even um, when he does not have an external edge that forced him to bring out his a I really applaud Michael for not just giving up during the second season when he broke his foot. He really wanted to play and make the playoffs even though his team wasn't that good. He doesn't approve not one bit of the idea of tanking. Losing in purpose to get better draft pick, it drove him insane. So he still goes 100% even when he had time restrictions. That's what I love about players back then when they're injured, they're trying to play, trying to win games. Even if deep inside they knew the risk and they might also knew that they're not getting out of the first round of the playoffs. Like Michael, uh, maybe he knew that they're most likely going to lose versus prime Boston Celtics, the big three, Larry, McHale and Parrish. Players now are doing the opposite. They're trying to rest and not play when they're healthy. Often they just put out something like a sore ankle, sore back or something stiff or some bull crap like that. And in 1986, Michael wilt his team with a losing record to the 8th seed of the Eastern Conference which led them to face the Boston Celtics with their four Hall of Famers uh, at with uh, Bill Walton and then in the first game Michael scored 49 and if you're a basketball fan you watch like a lot of basketball games most likely after you see someone score over 45 points especially in a playoff game, the next game you, you'll expect that player to score less. But in game two, Michael exploded for 63 points. He was just on another level in that game. Offensively, it's it's an all-time great playoff performance. Larry said that uh, he was God disguised as Michael Jordan, that's a pretty um high compliment that Larry gave him. Michael just did not care, man, in that game. He did not bother creating space like uh the way James Harden going for a step back. Michael did not bother, like but granted like Danny Ainge is not better defender like the defender we have now, like Kawhi or like Scottie Pippen. Danny Ainge was not as good or dennis johnson was a pretty good defender though but but i mean mike michael just did not care he just like shoot over people and then he hangs in the air his tongue was out he shot many unbalanced jump shots and made them just crazy but in the end you know what the bulls still lost by four points in overtime now this is this is huge, this is important. This just proves once again that basketball is a team game. It's too much. One guy cannot defend five people. In most cases, the better team will win the ball game. I'm not saying that you need four Hall of Famers to win, but you definitely need the correct pieces around a franchise player like MJ. You need some good role players, good defensive team, um, good coaching. It's... It's just fact. One man could only do so much to try to win with a lesser team. Still, I admired his refusal to lose, like there is no, there is no tanking. There is no tanking in his, uh, in his dictionary. You know, wanting to get in the playoff. It just proves that it's very hard and it's almost impossible to win with one guy versus a stacked team. Magic Johnson said uh, in in the episode that he and Larry Bird knew that Michael was coming. He just needed some pieces around him. Even if Magic and Larry were in Michael's situation, they could not win. Because it is a team game. You need some players around you. You need pieces that fit with each other. Pieces that can support the star of the team. So you can uh, play better, defend better, and just play collectively as a team. Last but not least, the Scottie Pippen versus the Jerry Krause thing. Now, I'm going to say it right off the bat. I am Tim Pippen all day all day do not care not one bit about jerry Craft. do not like him he did not pay scotty he did not have any respect whatsoever for scotty everything despite everything scotty has done for the franchise being a crucial part of the winning six championships it's mind-boggling to me people might say yeah but the gm must see it from the business perspective but Uh, still though there's something called class something called respect this particular player helped you win all these championships and then you treated him like a scrub like an easily tradable piece unless you think organizations win championships then it makes sense if you treat a player of that caliber like that that's why great players nowadays like LeBron, KD and Kawhi are having a full control of their career they make sure they play wherever they want they make sure that uh, they get paid properly lately they also could make the organization bring players they wanted to play with like we just saw uh, with Kawhi and Paul George with LeBron and AD like it's just so obvious that they orchestrated that um, now the organization asks the players what players do they want to play with which one can they get like they have that type of input if you will but I don't applaud Scotty for berating and cursing out Jerry Krause in front of the team or at least openly like that. It's clearly crossing a line. It just makes the team divided or at at the very least awkward. But what I applaud from Scott is that um, he was willing to take a stand for himself because he deserved it. Alright, I, I guess that's all for this episode guys. Thank you so much for listening. It was such a great two episodes i love the way they tell the story like going back and forth between times it's terrific and i thank you guys so much for listening if you like this episode do not forget to like and share the podcast to your friends i will see you soon on the next episode Bye bye